Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. Monday, September 16th, 2019, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, black leaders want Congress to pass the Future Act to increase opportunities for HBCU students in STEM. I'll explain what that means. Democrats have not won the White House white vote in years. What does that say for the black vote? Time dedicates its entire magazine to climate change. How crucial is it right now? And do you care? Felicity Huffman is sentenced to just 14 days in prison while a black woman was sentenced to five years in prison for trying to get their kid in school. Hmm. Asita Galveston showed up and showed out in support of the man who was arrested on a horseback. We'll give you those details and lots more. Folks, it's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is.
folks, Roland Martin here. Uh, over the weekend, uh, the folks at Revolt had a summit that took place uh, in Atlanta on that particular panel. It was a host of people who were on there, moderated by Jeff Johnson, included Katrina Pearson and Candace Owens, two Trump supporters, as well as Killer Mike and T.I. as well, and Tamika Mallory. And so it was quite interesting because, first of all, a lot of people on social media were talking about it uh, this weekend, this whole, you know, in terms of how everything uh, panned out. And so I said, you know what, um, let's chat about it. First off, though, I want to play you uh, a portion of that conversation where things got a wee bit heated. And because what I want to deal with is the issue, do we really need to engage crazy black conservatives? You know, black conservatives who, frankly, have lost their minds uh, and who really don't make any sense whatsoever. Because uh, I know lots of black conservatives, but I know, I know a lot of them with brains unlike these two who are on the panel. Are uh, you guys see my iPad right now? Okay, all right, y'all. So uh, here's an excerpt of that summit over the weekend. Different than the fear that Trump has exactly. created in poor whites. Exactly. That, that, the fear that Trump has lifted in poor whites, yeah. that black people and poor yeah. urban people are their problem. Right. What, when and did so, Trump ever say that? That's, that's, but, a, that's a fallacy. When did Trump ever say black people are the problem? Make America great again. That's when he said it. Guys, that but was I'm not on the panel. That so was I Ronald make sure. Reagan's slogan. Was that racist when Ronald Reagan had it as a slogan? Yes, what time? It was. Yes, let me ask oh, you. So that's, Whoa, that please answer this. Please answer this. I have a question. So, I have a question. So wait, please, wait, wait. Tip, please just tip, allow me this one outburst. Please. I have a question. When you say make America great again, which period are we talking about? The period when women couldn't vote? The period when we were hanging from trees. I'll answer. Uh, 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 like the crack era. Which period in America are you trying to I, make America I would, like So I, I actually think that I would I would totally rock a hat right now that said make black America great again. Because black no, America. Make America. We're talking about make America. That wasn't the question. I, answer, I am answering Which your question. Which period was America great that we're trying to replicate? Well, well, Which I, era was it? Tell me. I think I'll answer your question. Tell I'm me. I'm ready to answer your question. Which era was it? What? Which era was so great? You, here's the thing that you guys are forgetting. America was actually one of the first. Slavery was all over the world. The all question. over the world. America was, I'm not, I'm not saying it's okay, so why are you saying, oh? Amen. America was one of the first countries. I want to like you so bad. So let me um, uh, share a few thoughts, okay? Um, do I believe in black America we need to have real, honest, truthful conversations on these issues between black conservatives and black progressives and black liberals and black independents? Yes, I do. But we must have these conversations with real black conservatives, with black people who actually care about the black community. I'll give you an example. On this show, on my TV One show, uh, News One Now, Washington Watch, so going back to 2009, and actually my whole career, I have known a host of black conservatives. 
Alfonso Jackson, uh, who was, of course, the HUD secretary under uh, President George W. Bush. Michael Williams, who served under Reagan and Bush as well, was a former Texas Education Commissioner. You have con former Congressman J.C. Watts. You have Elroy Saylor, who was his chief of staff. You have Angela Saylor, his wife, who's a number two at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, you have uh, Kay uh, Adams, or Kay, of course, who was uh, uh, Kay Cole, who's over at uh, the Heritage Foundation. I mean, I could go down the line. And let me just be real clear with y'all. Real black conservatives have no respect whatsoever for charlatans like Candace Owens and Katrina Pearson because they know they're fraudulent. And see, the reality is those two, they actually won't come to places like this and have real debates. See, what they want is they want that show. What they want is they want the show to be on a stage with a killer mic or T.I. in front of Diddy and Revolt because, see, that's all they actually care about. They don't actually care about the black community. See, part of the problem here, and Killer Mike addressed it later, though I have some issues with him and the N-word and all of that, but I ain't gonna get into that. But part of the problem here is that when you hear people talk about, well, if you slamming Trump, that means you supporting Democrats. No, that means I'm slamming Trump. See, I have no respect for any black conservative who can't call out voter suppression. I have no respect for any black conservative who can't recognize racial gerrymandering. I have no respect when you have black conservatives who don't want to honest, be honest about exactly what's going on. See, see, even if you support Trump and you make an actual argument as to why you support Trump, all right, okay, that's fine. But then when you're unwilling to actually explain that and how it somehow helps the black community, makes no sense to me. I mean, over the weekend, Mark Lamont Hill and others were back and forth with actor Isaiah Washington, who said he's voting for uh, Donald 45 because of his policies. They simply asked what policies benefited black people. And then he's like, well, why are you calling that on Twitter? You should, you should call me directly. They're like, well, because you posted on Twitter, so we gonna ask you on Twitter. Kind of makes sense to me. See, what y'all need to understand, and again, I saw all this back and forth, all this back and forth on social media. Roland, man, you got to talk about it. Man, you got to see this whole deal. Y'all, I've been to those sort of discussions before. And what they are designed, not for us. I dare say for Jeff and for Killer Mike and T.I. and Tamika Mallory, that panel wasn't about show and tell. It wasn't about entertainment. It wasn't about, oh, man, we had that thing going. No, what it actually was about was entertainment. Because, see, that's all they're interested in. They're not actually interested in doing things to improve black America. They want the show. That's what it's all about. And so those of us who do this for a living, we know that game. We know it's all about the show. I remember I was on CNN in 2008 or so. And that was a black pastor who was, uh, we were on together. And it was real interesting. We were talking about Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr. and some other stuff along those lines. And while I'm talking to you, I'm actually uh, look, looking for it. And we got into it. And this black pastor um, was, was saying all kind of stuff. And, you know, he was just all hyped. Now, y'all, I knew it was fraudulent. I knew what he was doing. So you know what ended up happening? He then, in the green room, says, man, you know what? We need to get together and do this more uh, because 
it, it, it's, it's a whole lot of money out here. Did y'all hear what I said? It's a whole lot of money out here. See, you have a group of black folks on the conservative side, that's what it's about. Let me just be real clear with y'all. If I chose, with my skill set, with how I debate, with how I communicate, if I chose to be a black, self-hating, slamming black people, touting a conservative agenda, I can tell you right now, I probably will be worth about 20 to $40 million. Let me unpack that. I'll be worth that because that's what you really have going on here, folks. It's a game. And see, people like Katrina Pearson and people like Candace Owens have no interest in having real discussions with black people about actual policy because they would be exposed for their nonsense, nonsense every single day. See, when you hear all these people right now talk about Trump and the First Step Act, okay, I'll give you an example. At best, it's about 7,000 people. Some say upwards of 20,000 people are going to be impacted by the First Step Act. Nobody has given me a racial breakdown, so all 7,000 to 20,000 are not African-American. But let's say it's 60% of the 7,000. All right, not a problem, Okay. So what are we talking about? 45, 4,800 people, maybe about 5,000 people. That's about it, right? You do realize that 90% of people who are in prison are on the state and local level. Now, when Donald Trump touts the First Step Act, when people like Candace Owens and Katrina Pearson tout the First Step Act, what they overlook, or then they'll throw in, oh, look at black unemployment. Uh, oh, look at what he's done for HBCUs. Here's what they won't say. They won't say how he wants to get rid of, of the Minority Supplier Development Agency. They won't say how Jeff Sessions ordered federal prosecutors to forget uh, the Eric Holder era rules and prosecute to the highest levels. They won't mention Trump reinstated uh, private prisons on the federal level. They won't mention the Department of Justice said we don't want to have any consent decrees. They tried to get out of the one in Baltimore and out of the one in Chicago. They won't mention any of those things. They won't mention the fact that the Department of Justice has done nothing when it comes to enforcing the Voting Rights Act and really dealing with the whole issue of police, uh, police uh, misconduct all across this country. They won't mention the fact that under the Department of HUD, and in housing, uh, health and human services, and in commerce, and in federal, every federal agency, they are rolling back civil rights protections and all of those. So, while, while people like Candace Owens and Katrina Pearson and supporters like that might mention one or two things, I'll over here list 10, 12 things that are detrimental to black folks. They won't address those things. What I need y'all to understand is... And a lot of y'all, and trust me, I've challenged Charlie Kirk and Candace Owens to debate anytime, anywhere. And in fact, Alveda King, uh, I ran into her daughter, I think, uh, in Atlanta at the Rolling Out Summit I was at, where she said she wants to put this thing together. I said, boo, they're not going to debate a brother like me. Because, see, they can't handle this level of heat. I ain't going to bring smoke. I'm going to bring heat, Okay. What they want to do is they want the show. 
What a Candace wants to do is repeat the same two or three or four talking points. And you heard T.I. say, you know, I want to like you because you're smart. She actually is not smart. She's really not. Because, in fact, I've had black conservatives who have told me, she's called them and said, I don't know much about this policy stuff. Y'all need to know when you're getting played. Y'all need to know when somebody is trying to play the game and gaming you and who they really gaming are those dumb white conservatives who keep throwing money at them, saying, that's it, that's it. We find our black one because the reality is, and y'all, and I've, I've seen this, white conservatives have no issue throwing money at black people who are going to say nasty things about black people and tell us, get off the plantation and tired of sitting here uh, being somebody's massa. We all know the game. And so, if y'all enjoyed the conversation, that's great. If you were entertained by it all, that's great. Were there things in that conversation that are worth us talking about and exploring? Absolutely. But if we're going to do this, let's do it with people who are at the table, who are real, who are substantive, who know what the hell they're talking about, and who are not just trying to sit here and say stupid stuff because it's all about how can I say the craziest thing and keep getting those checks rolling in the same way Larry Elder has done, the same way Deneen Borelli has done, the same way Jesse Lee Peterson has done, and I can go on and on. And hell, I can name for y'all some of the black people who were liberals who flipped to the conservative side thinking they were going to cash in, and guess what? They even got exposed. Even conservatives were like, okay, yeah, some of y'all are frauds. Game, recognize game. And I just want y'all to understand that. Joining us right now, of course, is Teresa Lundy, principal founder of TML Communications, Dr. Avis Jones, the Weaver political analyst, as well as Mustafa Santiago, a lead former senior advisor, environmental justice EPA. See, I, initially I was, was not going to talk about this. But I need to talk about this because, again, I think, and what happens is, and I get it, and I get it with that crowd, how they responded, and, you know, people sitting here, they were jumping up, and they, they, were, they, were, they were talking about what went on, but I need them to understand what, that, what the game is. Because I'll show you, I'm going to advance it here, and uh, after T.I. made his comment, uh, go, go to my iPad, uh, I want y'all just to watch the crowd. Because you're point. making light of... No, I'm not. You're making light I of haven't the gotten enslavement to my point. I'm not of making... people that look like us. You can't All make right. light of that. That ain't nothing you breeze over. I haven't even over. finished the sentence. How am I making you light of anything? You started with some bullshit. Okay. Teresa, that's what they want. They want the show. And they want to be able to go back to their white conservative friends. See, we went into the enemy territory, and you saw how, saw how we got treated and how the audience were all against us. This is a game. They are not serious about the black community. I think it's two parts of that. I think that entire revolt summit, because I, I also watched it, right? And I think my, my... And I'm glad you started off with that commentary, because it was so important. Because when we start talking about what makes sense for the black agenda and black America and for those who really don't understand what politics or government actually looks like outside of listening to T.I.'s lyrics or Killer Mike and they're just, you know, listening to the impoverished lyrics, but they're not listening 
to some of the elected leaders who are coming forth with legislation and different plans, I think more so this panel should have more so touched on the entire detrimental facts that affects black people, right? Because a lot of people don't know, you know, some of those cause and effects. And if they did, I do believe the conversations would be greater and Candace, a woman like Candace Owens wouldn't be able to go to a revolt summit and say, well, I can't really talk about what Trump did because... No, they can't. I mean, they, they, <laughs> they, 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 can't, Mustafa, they can't talk about the environmental uh, dangers. You can't talk about how he's destroyed the USDA. You can't talk about the scientists who have left. And again, let me be clear. I'm not criticizing the summit. Revolt should be doing it. I'm not, I'm not even criticizing having the conversation. What I'm saying is, it, because let me also be clear, y'all heard me say on this show, we as black people have to have alliances among black conservatives because if you have, in the case right now, Dems control the House, Republicans control the Senate, all right? The reality is, in a moment, I'm going to be talking with Congresswoman Alma Adams, who is the co-founder of the HBCU caucus, who is, who is the co-chair of that with a Republican in North Carolina who's white, whose wife is a graduate of Winston-Salem State. So let me be real clear. In states across this country, Republicans control the governor's mansion, the House, and the Senate. Black folks, we are constituents. We need to be having relationships on that side because there are going to be issues where we do agree where we have to work with folks on the other aisle. What I am saying is there are a host of real black conservatives in this country who actually talk to black people, who actually sit with black people, but you have folks like these two, they ain't there to talk with black people. Okay, they're not trying to actually. How do we find common ground with black people? Their whole deal is how loud and how loud and wild can I be mm -hmm. in trumpeting Trump to get folks all mad and excited, and then go back to their uh, safe white spaces and say, "Ooh, see what happened when we went there." They're not serious actually about our community. Exactly. You know, I've worked with black conservatives on policy. You know, those who are serious. So you've got that set of folks, but you also have a set of folks that we're talking about who invest in and who support buffoonery. Um, and they like these types of things because it takes people away from the actual impacts that are happening inside of their lives. They want a reaction from you. So imagine if that sister said those type, whatever she was trying to say, and folks were educated in the audience. There probably were educated people who were there. Absolutely. But if folks understood the basic, the, the top five or seven things you need to know around housing, around transportation, around the fact of unemployment. So it's always interesting when we talk about this full employment, but then when you unpack that and right. you see the types of jobs that your people are actually getting and that they've got to work two or sometimes three jobs just to make it to the basic lines, it changes the dynamic of that conversation, and that's what we have to get to. I appreciate the fact that you are always talking about folks need to get educated so that when you utilize your vote, it can actually be directed in the, a positive place that can make change happen. So that's why I don't even get down. You know, people will sell their souls for a few shillings. We've heard that, you know, growing up, and this is just another reflection of, of how they continue to do that. Again, uh, uh, what you're dealing with here is you're dealing with the show. Mm -hmm. The show is one thing. Serious things, Avis, is another. Mm -hmm. And there are black women who I'm sure in the Black Women's Roundtable y'all work with 
who are black conservatives. Absolutely. Who are real on policy. Mm -hmm. These two are not real. No, no. Uh, and and this types of, these types of um, incidents expose that greatly. I mean, I would have been interested. I didn't watch the whole thing, so I've only seen this clip a few times. I would be interested, did she ever answer that question? Because even where she was going with that partial answer didn't make sense uh, in that, yes, there you had this transatlantic slave trade that encompassed a lot of the Caribbean, North America, South America, but guess what? America was one of the last, if not the last, uh, nation to end slavery. So I don't even understand why she's And our form was a lot different from other people as well. It was very different yes. in terms of, you know, it was maternally passed down from generation to generation. Our form of slavery was unique and distinctive and especially brutal. And so I don't even know where she, she didn't even know where she was going with that answer. That, that was no example of America being great. Let's just, let's just put that on the table. Yeah. So, you know, I would just be interested in knowing where where she would have ended up with that, it shows her ignorance. But at the end of the day, what you're saying is absolutely true. This is about her being able to get clips like this that go viral so that she can go back to the white folks who are paying her to say, look what I did, now give me some more money. Right. Because that's really what it's about. And again, I, I want the audience to understand those of us who have covered these stories for years, we know the game. Y'all, we can see them coming. I'm telling you, I've debated them who will pull you to the side and essentially say, let's take this thing on the road. Because mm -hmm. it's all for a money grab. Mm -hmm. As opposed to those of us who are real about this, who are going, yo, I'm not trying to sit here and roll with you because that's the deal. And in fact, that's the, actually the minstrel show. Mm -hmm. All right? That's why I call out Diamond and Silk. That's a minstrel show. When you see what's the, what the, the comedian, Terrence Williams, mm -hmm. that's a minstrel show. That's not about policy. It's a CJ Pearson running his little mouth. Same thing, okay? What you're dealing with is you're not dealing with people who are serious, all right? There are black conservatives who I know, who I've interviewed, who I've covered, who are involved in education, who all are involved in housing in different areas, and we might disagree on things, and they abhor voter suppression and some of the things that they do. You want to talk about somebody a black Republican? Talk to, Michael Steele's been on this show and talked about how he got treated when he was chairman of the Republican National Committee, where they literally had a meeting in Speaker Boehner's office and told him, look, we don't need, we don't need you talking policy. We got that. You don't focus on policy. He's like, wait a minute, what the hell? I'm the chair of the Republican National Committee. Did you tell the last chair don't discuss policy? It literally told Michael Steele, look, just go on over here, we got this. And then try to, try to change the rules where he couldn't spend any, he had to get permission to spend money over $5,000. Wow. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah, Michael told me. So, in fact, y'all, they were so foul in 2012 at the Republican National Convention in Tampa, Rice Priebus, they had an event honoring previous Republican National Committee chairs and didn't even invite Michael Steele. Wow. Didn't even give him credentials to the convention. He had to get his credentials through MSNBC. Just so y'all wow. understand. And wow. they talking about, and she talking about plantation. Just so y'all understand. Wow. <laughs> so what I'm trying to explain to y'all is, wow. again, when you see people like this here, it's all about the show. Now, you might say, well, Roland, why would you want to debate Candace Owens? Because I believe you expose fraudulent folk at all times. Mm -hmm. Because, see, when light hits darkness, 
darkness gets exposed. Mm. Y'all, they don't want real debates because they can't handle real conversation. Mm. They can't handle somebody who's going to be calm and not yelling and dropping facts on them and bringing real information. If they have to answer, no, what they desire is for us to play the game. So just so y'all understand that, the reality is that in this world, there are two political parties, Republicans and Democrats. The reality is we as black people have to be working on black interests. And that might mean working with Democrats or working with Republicans. That might mean opposing Democrats and opposing Republicans. I'm not against Republicans. What I am are against buffoonery mm. coming out of the black Republican side. One of the issues where Republicans have at least been decent on is the support of HBCUs. Tomorrow, there's a huge vote that's coming up in Congress, in the House, that's dealing with, uh, it's called the uh, uh, Education Act or uh, Future. Sponsored, actually, let me read the whole thing here. It's actually Fostering Undergraduate Talent by Unlock Unlocking Resources for Education Act, called the Future Act, sponsored by Congresswoman Alma Adams. And so I'm going to talk with her right now about this. Now, Congresswoman, Congresswoman Adams, welcome back to Roland Martin Unfiltered. Thank you, Roland. I, I'm enjoying your show. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, here's a piece here. Um, because of how this bill is going to come forward, tomorrow it doesn't require a majority vote because Democrats have those votes. Uh, when I talked this morning to Michael Lomax of the UNCF on the Tom Jordan Morning Show, he said it requires a two-thirds vote, which means the need for Republican support for this bill uh, that would that would have eight, what, about 85 million going to HBCUs. Right. Well, actually, this this particular bill uh, will 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 maintain the 255 million a year for two years. Uh, for HBCUs and all minority-serving institutions. Uh, this money is, uh, will be available to uh, support the, the needs that students have, funding uh, STEM uh, curriculum as well. Uh, so it's going to go away on September 30th if we don't get uh, the Future Act uh, passed. And as you said, it is fostering undergraduate talent by unlocking resources for education. And when you think about our HBCUs, and, I, you know, I taught 40 years on HBCU campus, Bennett College. I, I am a two-time graduate of North Carolina A&T, uh, and I know the needs that our students have. Uh, many of them, almost all of them, are first generation. And so this is a number one priority for uh, all uh, MSIs in the country. So... Uh, we can do this, uh, and we do have, it is bipartisan. So hopefully uh, we will be able to, to get it through uh, tomorrow. I'll be debating this bill at 5 o'clock. This bill will be up uh, on the floor. So I'll be coming back uh, from North Carolina in the morning. Uh, you talk about it being bipartisan. You heard me make that point because the co-chair of the HPCU caucus is a white Republican from North Carolina whose wife uh, went to Winston-Salem State, correct? Mm -hmm. Well, let me... First, the, the co-chair is uh, Bradley Byrne, who is a white Republican from Alabama. Uh, my co-chair on the bipartisan HBCU uh, internship is um, Mark Walker from North Carolina, but he's also a member of the of the caucus. So, yeah, we, we all work together to try to make right. sure that these students get what they need. And, in fact, I think the two of you were on my TV One show, and isn't he the one whose wife went to Winston-Salem State? Mm -hmm. 
That you are exactly right. And so, and, uh, and, and, the, and the reason I'm saying that is because this is what I'm talking about when when I'm trying to unpack this thing when you have to, when you have to have Republican support. One of the things, Congresswoman Adams, that I try to explain to people, like for instance, CBCF was this weekend, and the reality is not every black person is represented by a CBC member. There are African Americans who are living in that. districts that Republicans, they are either the member of them either in the House or you have Republican senators. And so we as African Americans have to say we are constituents and they need this we just need to hear from us our phone calls, our emails, our letters, if you steal facts or whatever, because we are still constituents. Absolutely, absolutely. But you know, Roland, also because of all of the redistricting and the gerrymandering that's gone on, uh, uh, many of our HBCUs are in Republican districts. So we all have, uh, should have uh, uh, an interest uh, in making sure that these schools uh, not only survive, but that they thrive. Uh, we we uh, contribute $15 billion a year to the economy. So HBCUs, we're not slouching. Uh, 47% of our uh, engineers come from um, historically black colleges and universities. Uh, more than 50% of, of students that get undergraduate degrees that look like me and you, HBCU grads. So, uh, you know, we need to make sure that our schools have what they need. And we've got to bring some parity to this process because it has not been. Uh, where do you want people to call? The votes tomorrow, you got to get two-thirds votes. What, where should they be calling tomorrow to tell the mem their member of the House, vote for this bill? All right, well, they should be calling uh, all of the Republican members. Uh, I think that that will be, be helpful, particularly those uh, on the uh, Education Committee, on the Higher Education Committee as well. But if, if they're Republicans in your state, uh, you need to get after them. Give them a call. Uh, and this is the right thing to do. They need to support this bill uh, because by doing that, they are supporting these uh, hundreds of thousands of students. The bill is it, it's already paid for, so it's not going to uh, really cost, cost anything. It's even supported uh, by the White House. I mean, at least we, 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 uh, we, we've heard that, and uh, I wanna, we, we're going to see. We don't want folks just talking the talk. They need to walk the walk, and it's not uh, what you say, but it's what you do. All right, Congresswoman Alma Adams, folks listening, call this. This is the number. Call 202-224-3121. 202-224-3121. That's the main number to the U.S. Capitol switchboard. Before you do that, I want you to also go online. You can put in your zip code, uh, and then you, they will tell you exactly who is your member of Congress. So when you call and say, hi, I'm so-and-so, I am one of your constituents. I want you to vote. I want my member to vote for the Future Act. That's what I need all of y'all to do, okay? And share it on social media as well. The number is 202-224-3121. Congresswoman Alma Adams, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Roland. You keep up the good work. Will Thank do. You. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right, folks, going to a break. When we come back on Roland Martin Unfiltered, got more good stuff for you. You know how we do. We keep it black, keep it real. Back in a moment. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered.
like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, folks, you heard me talk a lot about MarijuanaStock.org. Why? Because I want to keep you informed of investment opportunities that make sense. We've all watched the growth of the cannabis industry, folks. A recent report by the New Frontier Data estimates the global cannabis market more than $340 billion. And we know that marijuana legalization is sweeping the country state by state. We also know that marijuana has a good cousin, the hemp plant, with a much higher concentration of CBD. That means hemp gives you all the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Until recently, hemp farming was practically illegal in the U.S. and heavily regulated by the DEA. However, that all changed with the 2018 Farm Bill, making it legal to grow hemp CBD in the U.S., creating one of the largest commodities worldwide. They need land to grow all the plants. Folks, this is real simple, okay? And the folks at 420 Real Estate have a business model where they buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed high-paying tenants. That's right, there are hemp CBD landlords. You can get in on the action now. now. Of course, our folks at 420 Real Estate decided to do something special for the Roland Martin Unfiltered family. Originally, the minimum investment level was 500 bucks. Now you can get in this crowdfunding campaign for as little as $200, up to $10,000, okay? This is a growth industry that is still growing. If you want to invest, go to MarijuanaStock.org. That's MarijuanaStock.org. Get in the game and get in the game now. Uh, folks, the 2020 election is next year. Democrats, of course, are trying to uh, get as many votes as possible. We, of course, we have uh, the first uh, uh, caucus in Iowa, and then we're going to have folks voting in New Hampshire, Nevada, uh, California, Georgia, Florida, all states across, across the country. And one of the things that we kept hearing after 2016 is, oh, my goodness, what must the Democrats do to win these disaffected white voters? Uh, what is it going to take to win these rural white voters? Um, but... Do y'all realize that since 1976, Democrats ain't won the white vote? Do you hear what I say? They have not won the white vote. See, part, see, part of the problem when you have this conversation is, like, right now, there are people who have been saying that, oh, Democrats, they got to sit here and nominate a Joe Biden because a Joe Biden, can, he, can, he can really go after... Uh, those Democratic votes that take place there, uh, you know, in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, and he can bring them back. Except it's not really the case. Show this graphic here. Leah Daltrey, of course, uh, she actually uh, put this graphic up on social media. And, folks, the the numbers don't lie. 2012, Obama got 39% of the white vote. 2008, he got 43% of the white vote. 2004, John Kerry got 41% of the white vote. Al Gore got 42% of the white vote. Bill Clinton got 44% of the white vote. 39% of the white vote in 1992. In 1988, Dukakis got 40% uh, 40 of the white vote. Uh, Walter Mondale, 34% of the white vote. And if you look at, of course, Jimmy Carter, the highest, 49% of the white vote. That was 1976. So the reality, Avis, mm -hmm. is if Democrats want to win, the reality is you don't win by... Like, there's a, there's a liberal group, a liberal pack, who wants to raise $50 million to try to go flip Trump voters in rural America. Complete waste the, of $50 million. Right. <laughs> we saw Hillary Clinton in 2016, her campaign throwing millions trying to flip white Republican women in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. The reality is, 
if Democrats win, you win by getting 39, 40% of the white vote and putting your money and having turnout among black voters, Latino voters, Asian voters, when you talk about Jewish voters, people who have the coalition right. of voters. That's how you win. You ain't flipping Trump people. No, you're not. It's a complete waste of money, a complete waste of time. What I find very interesting about that particular chart in particular, if you look at the proportion of whites who supported the, the Democratic candidate, you had both um, the last campaign of Obama getting 39% of the vote, mm. as well as Bill Clinton getting 39% of the vote for one of his elections. But the interesting thing is that was when there was a third party. Right. Right? The mm -hmm. third person running. So what's interesting we'll is... We'll grab that, it back up while Amos is talking. Go ahead. So when you had just a two-man race between Mitt Romney and Obama, Obama only got 39% of the, the white vote, and he still won. won. And how did okay? he win? He won by maximizing the rising coalition of black and brown people. And another thing that I think is important for people to realize is that, yes, if you maximize the vote, the black vote, number one, mm -hmm. the real reason why he won was the black vote. I really believe that oftentimes people over-exaggerate, to be perfectly frank, right. the impact of the brown vote. So let's get real about that, too. Well, and actually, truth be told, though, he didn't maximize. See, first of all, maximize means we were voting 85% or more of all available voters. So I'll, I'll go back, I'll go, I'll look at Harold Washington. Right. When Harold Washington ran in Chicago, the reason Harold Washington ran, because 85% or more of eligible and registered African Americans voted. Exactly. The problem is, we saw it, of course, we see it where it might, in some places, it's 40 or 50 or 57 or 60 or 61, 65. The reality is, in South Carolina, if black people maximize the vote in South Carolina, they could actually elect Democrats and not Republicans in South Carolina. Absolutely. In Mississippi, SB on, only lost by around 16 or 70,000 votes. We pulled the numbers. The number of black people and poor broke white folks who didn't vote was double the margin. Which is why Reverend Barber keeps saying, Mustafa, mm -hmm. you have to mobilize, organize, and register disaffected poor whites, rural black folks, mm -hmm. Latinos as well. That's the margin of victory, not trying to throw all this money at some white voters in the suburbs. Right. They need to focus on building the capacity and the folks. You know, it's that old adage that says, make sure you stay with the person who brought you to the dance. So, you know, we got 90% of our folks, 88% of men, 92% of women uh, who vote Democratic. But yet we still won't put the money into the organizations that are on the ground that can help to move those numbers up. And we know that in many races across the country that sometimes it's just 1,000 folks or 2,000 folks that can make a huge difference. But folks still have this, I don't know what it is, why they won't invest in the organizations that actually can help to mobilize that. Which means, Teresa, that what has to happen, and again, this is where we gotta be honest, what has to happen is we gotta have black folks, okay, who stop talking that talk, but literally step up and say, I'm going to commit my dollars to maximize black turnout. Mm -hmm. That means, and I'm not talking, and see, let me be real clear, a lot of y'all watching, because I, I can already see your little post on Periscope and Twitter 
and, and Facebook and YouTube. Well, if our black celebrities and if, our, if the rich, all the rich black folks uh, would just give a million dollars, when the reality is the average donation for Bernie Sanders in 2016 was $28. Mm -hmm. No. What this requires for folks who are watching to say, I'm going to send money to Melanie Campbell's group, National Coalition of Black Civil Participation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to send money to the black groups that are out there that are going door to door, mobilizing people. The folks like uh, uh, Dewan Gibson and B. Woke, uh, uh, Adrian Shropshire, Higher Heights, all the people, they are frankly having to go big white donors. Yes. Mm -hmm. As opposed to black folks saying, wait a minute, we should collectively be able to, to send 10 and 20 and $30 and raise two, three, five, 10 million. Now we are in control of the money and the whole apparatus and not frankly having some white progressives telling us what to do with it. I feel like, so I, part of our business is that we specialize in campaigns, right? And so working on local uh, and federal campaigns, I've noticed a trend where you'll have the candidates running, they will do the outreach to one African-American, and then that one African-American pretty much is supposed to have the ties to all African-Americans. And so that white consultant then gives, that white consultant then um, begets $20,000 and $30,000 for that outreach. And, and yet, some of those dollars that was going to them does not translate into what should be going on for, for the local level and for the ground-level support. So, yes, uh, I do believe the candidates need to get engaged, but I also think for some candidates that are running, they need to be taking up those um, ap uh, fundraising apparatuses where they're charging $2, you know, doing the Bernie Sanders... Uh, type of campaign where they're getting momentum over time. But see, I, I, I think, and, I, and I, I, I get it, I, I've been highly critical over the years, Avis, when it comes to these campaigns. Mm -hmm. But what I'm talking about is there has to be an independent... Just, look, just like when I talk about people wanting them to support this show, the reality is CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and the rest of them they will never, they will never do what we do. Right. They will never out-black us. <laughs> they will never... Right. Like, I get it. Folks, folks excited when they see Angela Rye and April Ryan and Bakari Sellers uh, and Andrew Gillum on CNN's morning show. We do black panels every day. <laughs> it ain't no special thing for us. So, but my point is... We have to have a well-funded, independent, black turnout organization where we understand where our people are right. and we're not beholden to uh, one entity that might be sitting in D.C. or sitting in Virginia or in somebody's campaign office saying, nah, we're not going to put money over here. I remember in 2016, there were people who were scoffing at Donna Brazile when she had put some money in black media in Chicago. And, they, and so this is what the white folks were saying. What the hell is that? Why are we put, put, put money in black media in Chicago? Because uh, we've got, um, uh, you know, look, I mean, you know, we got Illinois locked down. No fool. Because mm -hmm. black people in Chicago know black people in North Carolina. Yeah. Right. And know black people in Wisconsin. And no black people in, in uh, Pennsylvania. And no black people next door in Michigan. Mm -hmm. See, that's part of the deal there. Mm -hmm. So these white consultants, 
these white pollsters don't know black people, mm -hmm. and so it's like, well, we ain't gonna spend money over there. Well, well, let we'll me, over here. Absolutely. Let me break down the business of this, because I want to carry on what you, what you just introduced to folks. This is a billion-dollar industry. People need to understand this is a multi-billion-dollar business that we're talking about. Let's just, first of all, be real about that. And the way this business works is that they hire these white firms and they give them multi-million dollar contracts in order to supposedly reach out to communities of color. And then from the multi-million dollar contracts, they may get a couple hundred thousand dollars that they subcontract to a black person to do the work. They are getting 98% of the money right. for doing damn it nothing. Let's just, let's just, let's just like really sort of uncover what's and going on. What don't understand is when the reason they want to put all the money in TV is because the consultant <laughs> gets a cut of a TV ad buy. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when they say no, TV, 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 because they don't want to put money right. on boots on the ground. Right. Because they don't get a cut of the boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. They get a percentage of the media ad buy. Of which exactly. they can privately negotiate and not tell the client how much they're taking out exactly. as long as it's placed. And those same white boys will get the million-dollar contracts over and over and over again, even when their candidates lose. Oh. We see it yeah. all the right. time. They don't care about maximizing the black vote. They care about maximizing their check. All right? Let, let's just really be real about that. And so that's why what you're saying is so important, because if we really care about our community mm -hmm. and maximizing our power, mm -hmm. we have to do it ourselves. Right. Because the traditional people that are making these decisions don't really give a damn about that. Yeah. What they really care about is being able to be able to have that sort of multi-million dollar house, be able to ride around in whatever they want to ride around in. And meantime, they're not doing the work because they're not invested in doing the work. But you talked about the important part is that we have to realize that we have power. We have to realize that, you know, we are a trillion-dollar economy in, in ourselves. Yes. Um, and how we utilize our dollars can actually change this paradigm, can change the dynamics. And sometimes we forget that. So we've got to invest in ourselves. So, so one of the things that we're going to do, and again, this is what happens when it's your shit. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to ask. <laughs> One of the things that I'm going to do here is we're going to feature the black organizations mm -hmm. who are all about maximizing the vote on the ground mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so folks know who they are, they can understand where they're targeting people, mm -hmm. and then if they want to give, support them. Because the reality is we should be thinking in terms we should, be, we should be thinking in terms of raising black people collectively, should be thinking about raising anywhere from 10 to $20 million mm -hmm. on black specific organizations who are about voter turnout. Mm -hmm. Now, why do I say that? And I, again, I see y'all little comments. Raleigh, you trying to get us to vote Democrat. So let's see. There are two political parties in America. There is the Republican Party and there is the Democratic Party. At one time, you've had efforts to have a third party. Yes, I'm aware of the Green Party. Show me how many of their candidates have won. <laughs> the last successful third party we had was the Ross Perot-funded Reform Party. Mm -hmm. Jesse Ventura happened to be elected governor of Minnesota 
under the Reform Party. That party no longer exists, and if it does, it's nothing. So, I'm accepting the reality that there are two political parties, Republican Party and Democratic Party. Now, if I'm looking at these two parties, I have to ask a very basic and simple question, and that is, which of these two parties, looking up and down the list, not one or two, not three or four, but I'm talking about in the categories of education, finance of HBCUs, police reform, criminal justice reform, environment, um, agriculture. I can go down a whole line. Which of these two parties is more likely to be speaking to the interests of black people? I am not saying that one is so amazing, others horrible. Both got issues. But what I do know is that Donald Trump is the leader of the Republican Party. Enough said. <laughs> Donald Trump has appointed nearly 90% white, male, far-right federal judges mm -hmm. for life who do not believe in civil rights, who won't, most of them won't even say that Brown, Brown versus Board of Education was properly adjudicated by the Supreme Court. They are all pro-business, they're anti-consumer, pro anti and they're anti-labor. So ask yourself the question, black person, which side are you on? Now, groups that are out there trying to get people to vote can be nonpartisan groups. The reality is, I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I'm going to tell you, look at both, and to me, it looks like this. That's the Republican Party. That's the Democratic Party. Because when I was at CBC caucus, there's only two black Republicans in Congress. Yeah. Tim Scott, South Carolina. Will Hurd, Texas in the House. Will Hurd, he leaving. Mm -hmm. It's going to be just Scott, the lonely black Republican. <laughs> 55 members of the Congressional Black Caucus. 55 black. 55 Democrat. Now, we have to have this because when A, when A was talking about maximizing the vote, y'all, and we're going we gonna to do more teaching on this because, Mustafa, that's what we have to have here. Mm -hmm. We got we to gotta teach people to get them to understand mm -hmm. what's going on here. The numbers don't lie. Mm -hmm. If black people maximize their vote in Georgia, mm -hmm. Abrams is governor. I know about voter suppression. I know about the voting sites. I'm talking about the number of black people who are either registered and who didn't vote or those who are eligible to be registered and who don't vote. Mm -hmm. We as black people, if white folks vote the same way they've been voting, can literally flip the South. Mm -hmm. The numbers are right there. The numbers don't lie, which is why, Teresa, Republicans are so hell-bent on switching voting locations, yeah. mm -hmm. closing polling locations, mm -hmm. trying to ch now trying Tennessee, where Kristen Clark and Laura's committee for civil rights under law uh, beat back uh, uh, the effort uh, to, to delay the law there, mm -hmm. where they want to penalize uh, criminally people who actually are registering people to vote. If you got one small infraction, 
If black people did not vote the way they did in North Carolina for Obama, where he won by 14,100 votes in 2008, you would not see the level of voter suppression in North Carolina. And y'all will know how nasty it is? Today, they have the video of a Republican, a white Republican, walking into the room and seeing how his map would look and then how he went in and tried to split his district Lord. to push the black... Y'all, they got the video. Wow. To push, wow. They got the video mm. to push the black people into the Democrat district. He got busted. They wouldn't change the map and immediately announced he was retiring and wouldn't run again. Oh, my God. Because wow. he knew yeah. if the district was drawn fairly, right. he was going to lose. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, to me, we have got to say, no, no, no. We ain't waiting on the Democratic National Committee or the DCCC, mm-hmm. or DSCC, or the or Emily's List, Democratic Governors Association. Black people are going to have to invest in black voter registration mm-hmm. to turn out our people because if... And I'm going to tell y'all again, and I want y'all to comment on it. Mm-hmm. If Donald Trump gets four more years, oh that means... At the end of eight years, Mm -hmm. the courts alone, he will likely have appointed 400 federal judges Mm -hmm. who will be there for life, and they only want judges who are between 35 and 45 years old Mm -hmm. so they can be on those courts for 40 to 50 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what black folks had better be voting against Mm -hmm. next year. And even locally, like, so, um, outside of, in Philly, there is, uh, so, as much as a lifetime appointment it is federally, so locally we have, uh, judges that run for, uh, election every 10 years. Well, no, every, um, four-year election cycle, but they run for a 10-year term. And the amount of education that's around what judges, uh, what judges are running and what type of cases they, um, prosecuted, um, and are if they are for African Americans, you'd be surprised how many African Americans uh, do not know who these judges are, their background, their cases, and thus when these folks get on the bench, and you wonder, you know, God forbid something happens to a family member or themselves, and they have to go be approached in front of that judge, the verdict that comes down, and so. Most of the money, because, you know, most they come from being attorneys, they have a whole bunch of money, mm-hmm. right? And, I, and I'm telling you this story because the way it is locally is the same way nationally. Local candidates, if they're running for a legislative office, they have a little bit of funding, but more so they have relationships. Judges have no relationships. They, you know, those who aspire to be judges have no relationships. All they have is a whole bunch of money. They throw it to the black folks. They put them on their ballot. And, and what I'm saying is it's the ignorance of that also, you know, uh, begets more, um, more scrutiny as we talk about, like, you know, what, what the African-American view is, you yeah, know, legally. absolutely. But in terms of the, going back to the federal bench, mm-hmm. you know, this is really critical. I think it's important that people understand this is how they encapsulate um, white minority rule for the next century. Mm-hmm. 
Let, let's just be clear about what's out, happening make here. It plain. What's happening right now is they see the demographic shifts of this nation. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to figure out how can we maintain power when we come a become a minority? That As it, is the strategy. Absolutely. What we have going on right now is the majority of babies born in America right now are already non-white. So they know that the clock is ticking and they're trying to figure out what can we do to make sure that we have control? If they have the Supreme Court, if they have all of the federal courts, mm -hmm. even if you have things going in your direction at, in the, at the local level, all they have to do is appeal it, and then they right. can have their boys roll everything back. Right. This is how right. you encase white minority rule for the rest of our lifetimes yeah. and the rest of our children's lifetime. Yeah. This is what's at stake. That's exactly right. We've seen it play out, and we've talked about it before on the show. All you have to do is look at South Africa and how yeah. the apartheid system yeah. was put Absolutely. in place um, so that people could hold on to power. So we're talking about federal judges, but we also have to also have a conversation about district attorneys. We have to have a conversation about sheriffs and police chiefs and mayors, and this is why your vote is so incredibly important, because it is all wrapped up. And once you enter into this system, the system is set up currently to help some people and to cause some real harm to other people. And if you are not willing to invest your vote, if you're not willing to get registered, make sure you have the right IDs that we have to deal with right now. Right. Help get people to the polls and then vote and then stay engaged in the process, then you get what you're going to get because these folks are not having your best interest at heart. So if you want an apartheid system, mm. then don't vote. Absolutely. But if you actually want real change to happen in our country, then you got to get up off the couch. And here's what I often say, because this frustrates the hell out of me. People will go and stand in line to get into a club or to get into a show for hours. They will spend an incredible amount of money, and I ain't taking anything away from the incredible folks who are artists and entertainers. We should support that. But you should also support with your bodies and your time and your resources helping to make your communities better. Uh, let me say it again. When you, when we fund our organizations of voter mobilization, it happened, the result is what happens locally mm -hmm. and nationally. Those of y'all who weren't born in 1984, 1988, Reverend Jackson registered two million largely black people when he ran for office. That's how Richard Shelby became the Democratic United States Senator from Alabama. Now, he rewarded those folks, but later flipped it to the Republican Party, and he's still a Republican. But the reality is this, and I've met these folks, there were black people who, for the first time, were elected to city councils, sheriffs, mayors, county commissioners, state reps, and state senators all across the country, from the southeast to the south to the midwest, I met black people who were elected in California for the first time mm. because Reverend Jackson ran because black folks were registered and turned out. Mm -hmm. There was a nearly 3% drop in black turnout in 2016. Some say that's one of the reasons why Hillary Clinton lost. I ain't putting that on black people. But the reality is this. If you were young and black, if you are middle-aged and black, if you are old and black, First of all, I ain't worried about the old black people. They vote. Yes, they do. I'm talking about all y'all sorry asses who are 18 <laughs> to 55. Okay. Because 55 plus, they vote. Mm -hmm. They'll tell you in a heartbeat. 
But I'm telling you right now, and I'm warning people, I don't want to have to be using hashtag we tried to tell you against black people. The plan, if you think Stephen Miller has targeted people of color on immigration in the last two and a half years, watch what happens if they get four more. Oh, mm-hmm. If you think that this Trump Department of Justice has coddled police departments since he won, oh, you don't want to see what will happen if he gets four more years. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it's abundantly clear what's going on. Black people are going to have to fund our own voter registration efforts and not wait on white philanthropists, white donors, and the Democratic Party. We're going to demand that they put the money where it's supposed to go. But we also got to be able to have our own infrastructure Mm -hmm. to make it happen, just like we got to have our own media to make it happen. Because if we wait for them and then wonder why it's 57% turnout, that's on us. And I'm telling you right now, I see what Trump's folks are doing. Uh-huh. And this thing gonna be ugly. Mm-hmm. And what Ava said in terms of this white agenda, y'all, that's real. Because they see the demographic changes happening and everything they're doing is all about 2043. 2043, that's what the concern is. Going to a break, I'll be right back in just a moment. You want to support Roller March Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. My frat brother, Gerald Albright, is going to be one of the talented artists who is going to be in Cabo November 7th through the 11th for the Life Lux Jazz Experience. Folks, it's going to be an unbelievable four days at the Omnia Day Club Los Cabos, nestled on the Sea of Cortez in the celebrity playground of Los Cabos, Mexico. Folks, it's going to be the ultimate get jazz getaway. Uh, it's going to be great food. It's going to be libations. It's going to be, I mean, golf and spa and health and wellness, all that good stuff. It's going to be an unbelievable experience. I'll be broadcasting Roller Martin Unfiltered from there that Thursday and that Friday. I want you guys to be there. So while everybody else is freezing in the Midwest and the East Coast, we're going to be enjoying, enjoying the sun in Los Cabos. Uh, folks, some amazing, amazing artists. Comedian actor Mark Curry, as I said, Jill Albright, Alex Bunyong, Raul Madan, Incognito, Pieces of a Dream, Kirk Whalem, Average White Band, Donnie McClurkin, Shalea, Roy Ayers, Tom Brown, Ronnie Laws, Ernest Quarles, an amazing, amazing lineup. For more information, I want you to go to lifeluxjazz.com and check out all the different packages that you can get. Uh, you want to get it now because, of course, air flights are going to be a lot uh, more costly as we get towards November. But go to L-I-F-E-L-U-X-E-J-A-Z-Z.com, lifeluxjazz.com. I'm going to be there. It's going to be a fantastic time. I can't wait to go see all those amazing performances 
every single night, folks, there's going to be somebody performing. It's just going to be fantastic. So go to lifeluxjazz.com. We'd love to see you there. And then you can come celebrate my 51st birthday a little bit early. And trust me, we're going to have a good time because y'all know I'm a dance. I don't drink, but I'm a dance. I'm going to play golf. We're going to have a good time. So love to see you at lifeluxjazz.com. All right. Folks, let's talk about uh, Felicity Huffman. Of course, she was one of the actresses caught up in uh, the pay-to-play scandal, buying their way for the kids uh, to get into college. She pled guilty to conspiracy to commit mail fraud and honest services mail fraud after admitting to paying 15 grand uh, to have uh, a proctor correct her daughter's SAT scores to improve her overall score. That's her photo? They ain't look like her? I think that was her. Yes, that look? Yeah, that's her. She just okay. having a bad she day. Must have had some work done. Okay, <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, for her crime, she was sentenced to 14 days. A lot of people talk about, of course, a black woman uh, who was homeless who got hit with five years uh, in jail. Mm. And don't don't forget Kelly uh, Bolar Williams, who also uh, went through the same thing in Ohio. Okay, now here's the deal. Mustafa, there's people out there who are saying that well, we shouldn't be calling for her to get longer jail time mm-hmm. because you know what's fair is. She really shouldn't be going to jail. Other people should be going to jail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to respond. Let me tell y'all <laughs> how I feel. Okay, I, okay, I, I get all that. Okay, I get that utopian view. I want her ass to experience the same criminal justice system that we experiencing. Fourteen days is bullshit. Yeah, right. right. And, and plus a Martha Stewart lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. Plus she has the resource, so she made some choices there about the actions that she wanted to take to help her child uh, to get into an Come on. school. This sister um, was just trying to help her child to get into a school. She gets five years. We, one, we need to address the homeless policy uh, in our country because we got 500,000 people plus who are in that space. We also got to address, you know, the fact that we got five times more African-Americans than whites who are getting incarcerated. And we also got uh, black women two times more likely than white women to get into uh, the incarceration sort of system that we got going on. So we got to make some changes. But if you got resources and you decide that this is the type of thing that you want to, uh, you know, you got you to do the time if you're going to do the crime, as they say. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Uh, damn 14 days. Absolutely. I mean, she needs... Honestly, I was insulted when I saw the 14 days and the $30,000 fine. I mean, like, if she could pay $15,000 to get the SAT scores changed, $30,000 is nothing to her. 14 days is nothing to her. I'm insulted. And this sister here, as you mentioned, she's homeless. She had to put some address on there. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is just a prime example of how black people are targeted Mm -hmm. with injustice over and over again related to our criminal justice system. And I think that that 14 days is freaking laughable. Mm-hmm. I'm glad she got something, yeah. but she definitely need to get much more than that. Teresa? I'm sorry. I'd rather her not even get 14 days because what it doesn't prove anything. What is 14 days? You're, you're supposed to be going into an um, uh, incarceration. You didn't think about your actions. You Actually, you thought about it. You thought about privilege, and you thought about the key word. You cheated. You wanted to cheat and make sure your daughter got into whatever school. Was it Yale, Harvard, something like that? Um, because you felt like, as a mother, you just didn't do the best job. So you had to, to go to those limits. So I'm sorry. I, I would rather not hurt to even um, do any jail time uh, unless it was, like, comparative to the five years that the African-American woman went to. Because for me, that would be equal justice. Well, this shows who we 
whose lives we put value in. Right. So if you are a successful white actress, then you get this type of sentence. Mm -hmm. If you are a homeless black woman trying to help your child to be able to get into a better school district, then this is how much value we place on you and this is the amount of time we're going to give you for trying to help your child. Mm -hmm. Again, 14 days, absolutely BS. And again, I get everybody who, no, no, we shouldn't be wanting damn that. I, shoot. I'm... Damn that. I, she, but that's nonsense. And, 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 and what it shows is, again, two different justice systems mm -hmm. when you got money. Yeah. That's yeah. what it boils down to. All right, y'all, hundreds of protesters gathered in Galveston, Texas on Sunday evening to demand that the police department release body camera video of the controversial August arrest of a black man by two white officers on horseback. Now, you remember that a photo was taken by a witness showing white officers leading a black man through the streets of Galveston on horseback, tethered to what looked like a leash. Now, uh, here, uh, I had some of the people who in Galveston who I know. This was the front page of the Galveston Daily News. Uh, if y'all can go to my iPad, please. Uh, this is Galveston Daily News. I'll increase that. Uh, marches, protests, police actions, uh, demand justice for Neely. Uh, and some of the photos that I was sent uh, include uh, right here. There we go. So you see that's uh, Ben Crump, mm -hmm. of course, in the center uh, leading the marchers. And, of course, uh, we have uh, this photo here of some of the people who were out there as well. And here's another photo uh, of them protest protesting as well. And so uh, here's also some video of the march. A people united will never be surely keep you up to date exactly what's going, what happens uh, in the case if that body cam footage uh, is going to be released. All right, folks, that is it for us today. Oh, I mean, you know what? I'm gonna, let me play this right here. So I don't know how many of y'all saw this video over the weekend, okay? So I saw this video. It was it was pretty funny. So, uh, you know, a lot of people have been critical of Senator Kamala Harris and criminal justice reform bill. Uh, and so this brother puts he put together this video uh, and it, first of all, I love it how you use technology uh, to explain something. And so he answers the critics who talk about her being, how she wasn't a progressive, how she was tough on black people, and how she didn't have progressive policies. So watch this video because he's actually going to be on the show tomorrow. All right, so check this out. So Kamala Harris, it ain't the fact she black. Howard University, Alpha Chapter, AKA. It's enough to get my attention, but it ain't enough to get my vote. All skin folk ain't kin folk. You better check her record. And I did that, and I found out some things. She dope. Yo, Kamala Harris is almost exactly what you expect from a prosecutor with the credentials I just mentioned. First off, you ain't even qualified to talk about her unless you heard about Back on Track. That's like trying to discuss Jay-Z without hearing reasonable doubt. Back on Track was a restorative justice program for 18 to 24-year-old, first-time, non-violent, low-level drug offenders. Instead of jail or a charge on the record, folk got sent to boot camp where they got job readiness training, parental training, earned a GED, got connected with employers for careers, got their credit fixed. <clears throat> That's a pretty good deal. I'm finna go sell an ounce right now. Okay, but for real, once people graduate that program, she threw their charges out like it never happened. SDA of San 
Francisco, she made social services help parents with chronically and visually shrunk kids. Twitter told y'all she was threatening with jail. Cap. The most important issue for me really is that we get these kids into school. <laughs> the goal is not to prosecute parents, it's to get these children to go to school. We are not talking about hooky and playing hooky, and frankly, we all did, okay? <laughs> nah, they were missing 40 to 80 days. That ain't hooky, that's hiatus. And nobody went to jail. I checked. Sister got them kids back in school and kept them out of incarceration in the grade. She also created reentry initiatives so people in jail could get out and not go back. Convicted over 1,200 domestic abusers. Prosecuted child molesters, rapists, and violent criminals. Transnational gangs. Got 20 billion back for Cali from the big banks after the foreclosure crisis. Created a civil rights division in the San Francisco DA's office. When she first got in, she threw the charges out for the activists and the protesters who got arrested. Shot a hero. Senator, no disrespect. Not to mention incarceration waste for marijuana charges fell each year she was AG. So much for that theory about her believing in mass incarceration. But Kamala Harris, I'm excited. I'm excited about her plans for gun reform and the HBCU agenda. I'm excited about women's equal pay and the return of consent decrees. I'm excited about black home ownership and a black woman on the Supreme Court. I'm excited about black businesses booming and a D9 step show the day before inauguration. Y'all know they having a step show. And I'm gonna be there too with an $8 fish plate and some mambo sauce. At the end of the day, she the strongest and most prepared and exactly what America need right now. And I look forward to seeing her stroll into the White House in 2021. That's an AKA joke. I hope she don't make her cat members probate though. Nah, seriously, four to eight years of D9 jokes are gonna be hilarious. I still ain't been the same since somebody said she gonna put AKA tags on the back of Air Force One. <laughs> So Drew is a North Carolina A&T graduate, played football there. Uh, and again, I saw that video and I, I, I clicked and he, I realized he follows me on Twitter. So I invite him to the show. So we're going to have him on the show tomorrow. Uh, and so that was pretty cool there. And so, and then for all of y'all out there, I know some people talking about um, uh, 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 why are you supporting Kamala Harris? First of all, that was a funny ass video. So if somebody black do one for Cory Booker, we would have him on the show too. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Hello. <laughs> Hello. See? You want to bring your ass on the show? Do something creative. There you go. Y'all want to support Roller Bar Down Filter? Go to rollerbardownfilter.com. Join our Bring the Fuck fan club. Every dollar you give goes to the show. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans to give at least 50 bucks each. And here's the deal, y'all. The 20,000 of our fans give 50 bucks each for the whole year. Five bucks a month, really $4.19. But let's say $5 a month, that's really $60 a year. But what the hell, you can spare it? The reality is it totally funds the show, all things that we do, our panels, where we can travel, covering this election, and that's what we need because, trust me, we can't be dependent on mainstream media to talk about our stuff because we know that's going to happen every now and then. Uh, and so we like seeing black people every single day, not once a week. Y'all know what I'm saying. So please, uh, support us. Uh, Y'all, of course, who watch us on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope. Y'all watch for free. You ain't paying for it. But we got to be able to pay this because, you know, we got staff. We got cameras. We got equipment. We got uh, these monitors back here and the brother who actually made the graphics. Somebody got to pay for it. We got to pay for the cars to get our panelists here. And so that's the deal. So same thing. If we want to have our stuff, we got to do what black people did when they bought the Chicago Defender and the Pittsburgh Courier and Land Daily World. They actually paid for it. Uh-oh. That's a new damn concept. But no, it's not. So go to rollerbartonfilter.com and we shall keep this thing going. Join our Bring the Funk fan club. I gotta go. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Ho! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.